fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, man, it's a pretty Friday already. The Thursday, ready to rock and roll for another one. And there is no chance we're going to get to everything we want to talk about on the show today like we do every single day. So welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. But we are all over the place. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen. Love you to death. Appreciate you hanging out. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Holy cow, man. So... Lots to talk about today. Bottom of the hour, Adrian Kubicki. He's the general consul, the consulate for the Republic of Poland, based out of New York City. We're going to talk about some federal budgets. The uh, progressives, the Democrats, the Biden administration pushing still for Joe Biden's budget. I don't think we've talked about a presidential budget request or proposal this long before. You remember Barack Obama? I mean, I guess Barack Obama was a little bit special because he was kind of like the icon for the Democrats at that time. And everything he said was golden and he was God as he tried to promote whatever socialist propaganda that he wanted. But Bush and Clinton, even Trump, when they proposed their budgets, we're like, yeah, thanks. And then we moved on. But the Democrats, man, really railing on the expansion of these government programs and yet still going into the mindset that they're going to cut budgets somehow under the Biden uh, budget proposal. So we'll talk about some of that coming up in a bit. How does that compare to other nations, especially those in Europe trying to deal with shenanigans? We'll talk with Adrian about that at the bottom of the hour. I want to bring it back down to the home front, though. As you know, we broadcast out of Kansas, and there are many states across the nation that are working on similar pieces of legislation right now as well. But this one making national attention Right here in Kansas. This is why I love Kansas, because we are the trendsetters in many aspects. In other aspects, we fall behind on issues, but we're kind of the trendsetters on other ones. We've had Sam Brownback, former governor, who is now still, at least I believe, I don't think Biden kicked him out, as the religious ambassador to uh, the United Nations, UN ambassador. And he's still rocking it. We've had Mike Pompeo, obviously, major figure icon, potential presidential candidate in 2024, as he was the Secretary of State under the Trump administration. We've had a lot of influence. Chris Kobach, now our Attorney General on our state, who also was potentially going to be working with the Trump administration on immigration issues and a heck of a lot more. Kansas really paving the way on many issues. This one, however, causing a lot of controversy. And I don't quite know why it causes so much controversy, because it should just be a commonsensical kind of thing. But we don't use common sense in today's world, do we? No. So, um, there is a bill in our state legislature right now called Senate Bill 180. It is the Women's Bill of Rights. And yes, it defines the definition biologically between a man and a woman. I I know that's a crazy concept. I know it. <laughs> In, in today's times, if you say that, then you're already appropriating somebody or you're a closed-minded bigot or you're the most hor- horrible human being on the face of the earth. But it actually defines a man and a woman biologically, and it uh, ties in with uh, a couple bills we have in the state legislature uh, that includes the women's sports bill that makes sure that women and girls are the only ones actually participating in girls' sports across the state of Kansas in public schools and higher education as well uh, for obvious reasons. But it's got a lot of pushback, obviously, from some of the progressives, the quote-unquote woke individuals, the trans uh, uh, trans 
gender individuals in the state that's caused some national debate. So to have on the program to talk about some of this and more, where are we and why is it getting so much pushback and what are other states doing as well? Really excited to have back on the program, Senior Fellow with the Independent Women's Law Center. Happy to have on it, May Malin, and she is a Kansas native. May, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. First off, uh, welcome back to the airwaves in Kansas. I know you're not in Kansas right now, but uh, you got to miss Kansas a little bit, don't you? I do. I miss uh, Jayhawk basketball games a lot, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's a great day. I miss Kansas Day in Topeka, the best day that there is. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kansas is a great state. It is a great state, right in the heartland. I think everybody wishes deep down, even if they've never been here, they wish to be in the state of Kansas. Let's talk about this issue because, like I said in the intro, we've fallen behind on some issues. I think the marijuana issue, which our legislature doesn't want to address or talk about, and they just kind of put it under the table year after year, is something where we're not quite up on the times with. But this one, we were front and center, and we were one of the first states after the reversal of Roe v. Wade to try and do a constitutional amendment, giving power back to the legislature on abortion laws in the state of Kansas. Now we're, uh, we have these couple different bills in our state legislature on Women's Bill of Rights. Uh, where are we with these bills, and why is it causing so much controversy on the national scale right now? Yeah, so as you said, Kansas is a leader. The Kansas Senate was the first chamber to pass uh, out of at least that chamber the definition of a woman. So the House, Kansas House, still needs to vote on it, and then Laura Kelly needs to sign it. Of course, Governor Kelly campaigned on she knows the difference between a man and a woman, and she's not going to let men play women's sports. But then when that bill comes to her again, she vetoes it. So that's just what we call lying to the public. And uh, she apparently is not going to be held accountable for it, although she should. But the bill that I am working on is, as you said, Senate Bill 180, very common sense. Uh, There's a lot of polling that say Kansans understand the need for women's only spaces. Obviously, women should not have to need to justify the need for women's only spaces. Um, and it, it just would give some clarity because when you don't have a definition of woman, then guess who can jigger with that? Everyone. And so the governor can say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to let men be in women's prisons, which is a thing that happens in Kansas and in other states. Mm -hmm. Uh, they can say men can play women's sports. They can really mess around with it. So when you have a definition, then the legislature would have to, speak clearly when they say, you know what, we're actually not going to have women's sports in Kansas. We're going to have women plus men who have taken certain drugs. Okay, great. So the, you know, nothing is settled. It just defines women. And then it puts the burden on the legislature to say what they mean clearly. Yeah. As you mentioned, it goes beyond just the sports thing, which I don't know how many trans athletes in the state of Kansas specifically are trying to play as women, as a real man trying to play in women's sports. I don't know how many are happening. Uh, I, I can't think of many cases where that's actually happening, but it is good to define this. But it goes beyond just the athletic side of it for a second, like you mentioned, with the prisons, with a man going into the women's prison. But doesn't this also affect issues of... If we truly honestly try to say, well, if you're a, a male, a biological male trying to pretend to be a woman, um, then 
when you apply for jobs or when you try to apply for college or when you would try to apply for scholarships or for grants or for whatever. I mean, doesn't this open up the Pandora's box of just weirdness to where you could apply for all the stuff when that's truly not who you are? Absolutely. So there's been some focus on scholarships and opportunity for women to be more involved in STEM fields, so science, technology, math, those type of areas. Um, And women are able to have not just affinity groups, like when you get to college, you can be part of women who code or whatever, but also specific uh, scholarship opportunities. You can bet that if you don't define what a woman is, that those opportunities will go to men. And I think there has been, uh, from the left, a lot of, well, we haven't seen that be abused yet. Okay, well, maybe it hasn't hit the media yet, but why would you wait until someone has a scholarship opportunity ripped from them? Why would you wait to harm a woman before you go and speak? Like, why are you waiting for girls to get abused by the system? That doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and uh, and I've asked this question every time we bring up this topic. The actual feminist movements in the nation, the radical left-wing progressive feminists where women can do anything a man can do and even better because men are just evil, horrible human beings and you know toxic masculinity and all this other garbage. When they talk about this issue, where do they stand? Because obviously... Feminism grew for a while trying to bring women to the forefront and not be behind men in society. Are they on board with, you know, you're welcome to come over with us because you recognize how awesome we are? Or are they upset and saying, wait a second, you're taking away all the stuff we've worked so hard to try to accomplish by a man coming in and dominating again? So this issue is bipartisan. The the feminists on the left are actually with the conservatives on the right in in uh, the main group is called the Women's Liberation Front. And they agree that women are deserving of protection. They focus on, you know, different things than conservatives do. I think uh, for them, lesbians are don't need to have their space, their dating apps, et cetera, invaded by men. I think they would focus a lot more on discrimination in the workplace and things like that, where women do need specific protections. And then if you need to protect women, you have to know what a woman is. So I think uh, the media would portray this as, oh, a reasonable person or the left doesn't agree with this. They think that a woman should be, you know, whatever you think it is. But that's not actually true. The right and the left agree. They all know what a woman is. And it is the radicals. It is very progressive leftists who don't even really, I think, know what their agenda is. It's just they know that they need to attack anything that the right says must be bad. So so they've got to attack it. And you just end up in this very bizarre space because it's like, that's not how Kansans think. That's not what's good for women. Uh, but I, I think we saw this with COVID. Well, if the Republicans say, it might come from a lab, then that must be wrong, and we've got to attack it, even though that's just you know not how people think. It's not true. Exactly. Do you think that they're just, I mean, it almost sounds like they're almost running out of things to complain about. Obviously, there's a lot of things to fix in the nation, a lot of things to make better, a lot of things to complain about or challenge or at least even question within the system, uh, The and I use the air quotes, the system in the country. But is this just almost even like a 
first world problem to where we've run out of woke things to try and change because we want to be like our parents and our grandparents who were the the icons of protests and changing the world around us and they've kind of run out of things to do so this is just the next best one they could find yeah i do think that when you have a nation that is as well off um as we are that you end up making people's lives worse because of all your free time to think about things. And so we have to ruin what words mean. I mean, this is something that a starving nation would never <laughs> engage in. Um, and yeah, it, there is, I think there are academics who have been talking about this for a very long time that words are oppressive, uh, you know, these types of things that only a, a professor could say. And it hadn't really hit the mainstream until recently. But I think you're right. It just shows that uh, the people on the left need to find jobs, need to have families, they need to provide for their families, They're, they need to have some sort of day-to-day -day area to focus their attention because you know, making a mockery of the English language it, it just should not be on anyone's priority list. <laughs> exactly. Mate, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Uh, awesome. I love the conversation. I want to keep it going. I want to, when we come back here, I want to focus on the attack from the media, the attack from the other side with a bill like we're seeing here in Kansas. Just the definition of what a man and woman is apparently is transphobic. Do they have a legitimacy with that attack, or is it just because they're losing the argument and they just go to the name-calling? We'll do that when we come back here with May from the Independent Women's Forum. Stay right here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright, it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you hang out with us, we always love you and appreciate you very, very much. We continue to see podcasts grow, views on the live streams grow, radio listeners, ratings are killing it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you as always. Right now we're talking about kind of on the home front here in Kansas, but it's an issue going on nationwide. I just saw a headline going into the show uh, before we went on. Nebraska is working on a similar bill as well. I know that uh, obviously with the ongoing discussion down in Florida with the public education system, Governor Ron DeSantis, and it's just causing absolute chaos on the other side of the aisle where they're not controlling the dialogue. And the more that they discuss it, the more foolish they look by trying to create definitions because they're just making things up as they go, really basing things on emotion. Now, I get emotions important, not trying to belittle anybody's emotions or feelings. However, you cannot live that way when there's a reality around us that we have to acknowledge as well. Because if you get to that point, then you got something like, oh, I don't know, like Elizabeth Warren saying that she's a Native American. <laughs> ah, see, see what I did there? Yeah, thank you. As we're talking with May right now, May Malin from the legal uh, senior legal fellow with the Independent Women's Law Center. You can find them online at iwf.org. May, this bill here, you guys have gotten a lot of heat from, obviously, the other side of the aisle. I know Riley Gaines, the All-American swimmer who uh, actually testified at our legislature here in Kansas regarding uh, some of these bills and the women's athletics bill and uh, in this bill, uh, got a lot of heat because... 
again, the other side is saying that all of this is nothing more than just transphobia. So the question is, is it truly hating on someone that believes that there's something else? Or is it just their, obviously their go-to whenever they're losing an argument to just fall back on emotion and name-calling? Right. So I think name-calling is exactly uh, right. And it's important to notice that because when uh, we say, here are the things that we want. We want women to have Girl Scouts. We want women to have uh, women's prisons. We want women to have domestic violence shelters, things that people definitely agree with. And then the other side says, you are anti-trans, you are a transphobe. <laughs> and then the debate just stops, say, no, no, no. Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what should be the case and how the process should work. So a lot of this anti-trans stuff is just, an opportunity to shut down the conversation. And I have never been around any person on this side of the debate that just doesn't like trans people and is engaged in this to have some sort of discriminatory purpose. It is, this is, you know, how I think the world should be, but, but let's talk about it. And what I think is great about the women's bill of rights is it is a let's talk about it. So once you know what a woman is, once you have defined it, then you can define how spaces should look. So if you think that domestic violence shelters should be co-ed, then you can just legislate that they are co-ed. That's not what Kansans want, I would suspect. But it's not. this is not an anti-trans measure. It is a let's figure out who should be in which spaces and why is it always women who have the burden of saying, no, I deserve this space. And having other people invade it, it also lifts that burden on women and puts it in the political process where it should be. Amen to that, May. we got about 30 seconds as we wrap up here. But do you think these bills here in Kansas are going to get through? And do we have enough of the Republicans that are going to override the governor's veto on these? Well, you know, one would hope that the governor who ran on knowing what the difference between a man and a woman (laughs) is uh, would sign it. But... Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of effort. This is something that's very popular among voters. So I think it's going to take voters making sure that they tell uh, they give some top cover to their uh, their representatives to do the right thing. I love it. May, we got to get you back on the show again here soon. I appreciate all the insight. Keep up this fight. Next time you're in Kansas, we'll get you down to Wichita, too. What do you say? Sounds great. Hey, wonderful. It's May Mailman. We appreciate you very, very much. Keep up that fight. It's the Independent Women's Forum, IWF.org, if you want to learn more about them. And we'll continue that conversation later. When we come back, Adrian Kubicki, right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason for a free Friday celebration. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. meets radio this is the voice of reason with andy Hoosier. holy cow covered a lot of ground already for the first half hour of the program on the home stretch now ready to rock and roll for the pre-friday welcome into it trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time multiple stations all over the place welcome love you to death thanks again to may mailman a kansas native She's not in Kansas right now, but Kansas native talking about some of the legislation going on here and how it's impacting the national stage. It's crazy. So we've talked about it before on the program. Remember that it's always a cycle. In society, it's always a cycle. The hard times create hard men. The hard men create the good times. 
because they work hard at doing it. That's all they know how to do is survive. And when they have to survive, they continue to grow and flourish and prosper. The good times create weak men because they don't have to do that anymore. Some try to continue to do so. Others just get lazy because they got it good now. And those weak men create the weak times. And the weak times create the hard men all over again. We're kind of at that cycle. What's going to be the next step? Because we have those good times with the good times are starting to wane. And we have to remind ourselves how to create those good times again. Or... Are going to let that cycle continue to worsen as we see now. Again, I don't know what the cause is to try and challenge the gender of somebody, but if you'd feel something, then apparently, uh, feel something different, then apparently we're sitting around with way too much time on our hands and just not giving a crap and just getting something done to prosper, flourish, and do something uh, more productive, which leads us to our next What's Trending story of the day. What's trending today? There's a headline that I saw from the state of Pennsylvania. The city of Philadelphia is working on a piece of legislation for the new universal basic income. I mean, trying to take care of individuals when they're uh, when they're at home. They are now passing legislation within the city and certain parts of the city of Philadelphia where they're going to be paying women a thousand dollars a month while they're prego. Oh yes! Oh yes! <laughs> If you are pregnant in certain parts of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they'll be paying individuals $1,000 a month. Now, that's not going to create any type of career motherhood, is there? We already have a conversation of some women in society, unfortunately, who take advantage of the whole child support system of wanting to be a single mother but having kids constantly to continuously get a paycheck from uh, men, and it just causes an issue. But it does create that sense of uh, dependency. And what are we seeing in today's society in those quote unquote good times that are turning into not so good times? We're seeing a massive flux of expansion of government programs when it comes to the expansion of maybe health care or the welfare state. We're looking at a budget where we're already capped out with our federal budget defi- or our, our federal government uh, spending caps for the year already until September. We're working on a budget for the 2024 fiscal year, and it's nothing more than a massive expansion of more social programs. We're getting further and further into debt, and it's not sustainable. We're already 100% or over our 100% of our GDP on a national level. How do we get things back under control? Well, one country's been working on actually doing that. Excited to have on the program with us here as he's got the lowdown and the scoop as he's Poland's consul general in New York as he represents a great com- uh, great country in the Republic of Poland, Adrian Kubicki on the line with us here. Adrian, how are you, my friend? Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, what a contrasting tale of two cities here, isn't it, from America and parts of other parts of the world where they're starting to figure out how to get their budgets under control, and we're just trying to figure out how to not get too far into debt right now. Well, I think in the global village, uh, some of the dynamics are pretty much the same. Maybe it's only a matter of scale. Uh, so indeed, some of the solutions that are implemented somewhere else in the world can be implemented uh, also here in America. We're happy to share uh, You know, our budget deficit. Uh, has been significantly lower, over 50% lower than expected. Uh, which means that given the inflation, given the post-COVID, post-pandemic crisis, economic crisis, and kind of a tight situation, um, we still were able to secure a decent amount of cash um, for for the needs that we have also ahead of us, also given the help that has been provided for Ukraine very recently, um, something that we are very proud of. And I think that the recipe is uh, simpler than Many people might think it's uh, um, not even about the increase uh, of the taxes, because the reality is that Poland was able actually to 
the government of Poland was able to uh, lower down uh, some of the taxes imposed on people. But it's a matter of um, perseverance in terms of collecting those taxes, uh, filling up uh, all the the gaps uh, that have been kind of tolerated for four years. And now, uh, if you seal the fiscal system um, uh, and make people pay what they need to pay, the uh, entrepreneurs, uh, business owners uh, pay what they own, just their their part and their their contribution. Uh, stop them from uh, escaping with the taxes uh, to some of the tax paradises. This is the, the, the basic recipe for 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 reshaping and improving budget, and in that case, budget deficit. It's 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 wild to see actually the reduction in deficit because we're not seeing that at least here in the United States. Now, first off, before you mentioned Ukraine, I want to ask that before we get back into the budgetary issue, how is Poland doing? I know a lot of the refugees from Ukraine are going into Poland. How is the country handling it, and uh, is it is the process going smoothly? Trying to take these individuals in and help out in that process. That's another uh, way of doing it, which is probably completely new blueprint. Um, in in terms of handling refugee crisis, uh, Poland never tend to lock Ukrainians uh, in any form of refugee camps, mm. which would also, by the way, come as a burden, as a cost for, for the society. Instead of that approach, we actually invited Ukrainians to uh, be a part of, a full, full part of our societies. They're not granted with the citizenship, but they are receiving uh, work permits and they have access to healthcare. Uh, they have access. Children have access to education, which enables, especially women, um, uh, to to seek jobs and basically go working. And uh, one thing is a matter of dignity um, uh, to help those people to mo- move on with their life for as long as they need. But yeah. second aspect is this positive impact on our society. They become part of the circle. So they also contribute. And I think that this is something that many people understand and that it make, makes sense pretty much if you if you help those people integrate. Um, so so it comes as a certain burden and obviously certain costs accommodate. Right now, over 2 million people still living in Poland, Ukrainians living in Poland. Yeah. But if you count uh, all, all those, those people who work, uh, who contribute this or another, uh, it it makes more sense and obviously complete this circle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you think that COVID, the COVID pandemic, the global shutdown that we saw, really the great reset of the economy on a global scale, do you think that really woke up some countries on how to tackle these things, make sure that we're in a better position? God forbid something like this ever happen again. You mentioned that you guys started uh, limiting your deficit shortly after COVID as we've kind of gone the opposite direction. Was that kind of the wake-up call, do you think? Well, I think that there were many different factors that we had to take into consideration in terms of shaping, scheduling uh, our budget for years, anticipating the crisis and anticipating the recession that we think that hasn't come yet, but we're, we're still looking for, for the, the biggest wave um, that will hit our economies, uh, perhaps, maybe not, but, but this is something we have to be ready for. And looking for for the sources of income, like uh, United States of America, Poland offered uh, very generous packages uh, to entrepreneurs, to business owners, to ordinary people to survive a uh, pandemic. Um, that kind of raised inflation, obviously, everywhere globally. And now you have to combat that. You have to battle that. And the question, big question, is how you pay your bills. 
um, and you can do it in various ways, but we think that creating any additional burden to, to people would not be a solution, would only make things worse. <laughs> uh, but the answer is uh, just to look up and check if everyone pays uh, what they're supposed to pay, not more, uh, but, but just what they were supposed to pay. Uh, and apparently, uh, always fiscal system can be more uh, pursuant, more um, more more tight, and, um, and this is something that basically has been implemented, and it's working out. We we found additional uh, money that that were injected into the budget, and hence to that we were able to end up the year with the lower uh, deficits, much lower than expected. Yeah, I love it. We're talking with Adrian Kubitsky. He's the council general for the country of Poland, based out of New York. We got just about a minute and a half left here, so as we kind of wrap up, but I got to ask you, uh, Americans' perception on the concept of socialism. We hear about uh, democratic socialism from individuals like Bernie Sanders and from Democrats here in the country trying to talk about socialism and how Europe does it so well, and the Netherlands and how the the Nordic countries do it so well, and how Europe does it so great. We need more socialist programs. Is that concept accurate on their description of how uh, socialism is done out there, or are European countries starting to move the other direction? Well, the socialism has a very bad connotations for a country like Poland that went through the dozens of years of, of communism and looking at the damages that have been made. And obviously, all that left-wing uh, kind of concept of socialism is, to some extent, something different. Uh, but but uh, we have to watch and observe uh, how some of the programs work. Um, uh, we know that Europe overall uh, probably goes in that direction. Poland uh, has a little bit different view and different uh, take on that. We believe that if we uh, want to implement programs that will help uh, some of the people getting more included, and obviously this is good by definition, but it has to be uh, run smart uh, just to make sure that people are working, people are contributing. Um, uh, not, 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 the system should not be discouraging from, from people, you know, uh, waking up uh, every morning and going to work because this is what they have to do, basically. What a concept. Getting people to contribute, actually paying into the system, actually working in a private sector and then paying the taxes. The government sees revenue, they can fund their projects, and we don't have a universal basic income like they're trying to push on us right now, which is kind of silly. It's Adrian Kubitsky with uh, the, the Council General for the country of Poland. Adrian, appreciate you so much coming on the program, my friend. Keep up the fight. We'd love to get you back on again Thank soon. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You bet. Appreciate you. There is great information. We'll break some of that down when we come back. we got one more segment here right around the corner. What does that mean as we continue to move down this road of socialism here in the country? The Bernie Sandersites, the progressives trying to go into the more dependency states. Well, they're like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that, America. Lots more coming up. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Man, covered a lot of ground today. Thanks again to May coming on the program. Adrian coming on the program. Anywhere from gender, apparently trying to figure out what gender we are in society, to budgets and the common sense. Have you noticed that I'm starting to uh, laugh more and more at the socialists on the other side of the aisle here in the country because, as they're saying, we need more pure socialism, we need Democrat socialism, we need more government handouts, we need the consolidation of the economy into the into the government to regulate 
the redistribution of wealth, the democratic socialism to where we can all live happily ever after and have a say in everything. Uh, and you've seen the change, the push for it. The Google definition of socialism now compared to the Merriam-Webster dictionary from, I don't know, 20 years ago is vastly different. Look it up. And we've read them here on the show. Uh, I have, which is really funny. I got into an argument with someone on social media. This was, I don't know, a year or two ago, a couple years ago. And uh, they had said that my Webster dictionary, my college preparatory Webster's dictionary hardback that I have was not credible because it's outdated. Therefore, Google and Wikipedia were more accurate because it's up with the times. Now, looking at the definitions of the two on socialism, by the old school definition was the control and distribution of means by government control. On the Google definition of socialism, the means and distribution of goods in the private sector controlled by the people. That's how they like to twist it. Not by the government, but by the people, because the people is represented through the government. So therefore, if it's the government controlling it, by default, it's you controlling it. So what's the problem here? We can control it through the people (laughs) because it's the government that's actually doing it who says they represent you. And while they continue to push for this, that, you know, Norway and Sweden and Denmark are all these wonderful socialist nations. We've had socialism in Europe forever. It's a wonderful thing. Why don't we get on board? What the hell, America? Why don't you get into the 21st century? Well, we're going that direction. We're kind of a day late and a dollar short because the other nations are moving the opposite direction. Poland, I, I, would, I kind of felt weird asking Adrian uh, Kubitsky the general consul for the country of Poland based out of New York, I felt a little weird asking him about socialism because if you know anything about history, Poland doesn't really care for a lot of socialism. In fact, Poland is uh, got invaded by socialism many times, got controlled by communism and socialism between the Russians with their Soviet Union-style communism trying to come from that side of it and the socialists of Germany back in the 1930s. Don't know what that could have been in any way, shape, or form as Hitler was the National Socialist Party of Germany and invaded Poland through his uh, expansion of power with the government that was, quote-unquote, for the people. So how does that make you feel on the other side of the aisle there, buddy? So, Andy, you're just taking the extremes of socialism. If you get a pure socialist society, it'll be great. Yeah. Keep believing it, and we'll keep laughing at you because it's it's kind of hysterical. Got, <laughs> now, come on. Come on. All right. So uh, we have the expansion of socialism here in the country right now. As we mentioned, Philadelphia is looking to pay pregnant women $1,000 a month because, by golly, we need to take care of them. And they say it's going to help improve the outcome of births because of parents that may be at low income, not have the proper resources, and that it's going to help them with the birthing. Interesting twist on that one. At the same time, while we're looking at socialism and we're looking at bringing back the child uh, child tax credit expansion from the Biden administration and maybe paying for the uh, pregnant women and giving these universal basic income uh, concepts not working, not contributing to society, we had the Pentagon over here yelling and screaming, begging, yelling at the top of their lungs, hoping that their budgets aren't cut as we look at the 2024 federal budget for next year. A headline for the Newsmax.com, Pentagon warns against cuts, quote, this budget prevents war. As they don't want their budgets cut because for some weird reason in society, one of the actual duties of government is to give national security and protect the nation. Not social programs, by the way. That's not in the 
Uh, it's not the general welfare. Don't even try to use the general welfare clause. That's not what general welfare means in society uh, for social programs. But we have the budget split up to where the general welfare apparently to the other side means all the social programs. And that's just automatic. Don't you dare touch it. The military is what gets cut every time that sometimes even Republicans and Democrats look at quote-unquote budget cuts. It's the military that gets chopped on the block. While we don't touch the other mandatory quote-unquote spending concepts like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, WIC, and everything else. Not that we should, although we should start moving and transitioning to a private alternative for those. But the defense, the military, protecting our nation is the thing that actually keeps us safe internationally. That's what gets on the chopping block. And they're screaming, please don't cut this from us again. We could be going into some intense times. And you could be putting the country in jeopardy. Notice the priorities from the other side of the aisle. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a bit. Until then, we're back at it tomorrow for a Friday. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.